Welcome to Conversations with Marlon Bolton, the podcast. On Conversations, we exchange thoughts and ideas with people from different experiences and backgrounds, which help shape a better quality of life for our residents. These conversations bring fresh perspectives that foster our city's growth and resilience. Our conversation starts right now. My name is Marlon Bolton. I am the District 1 City Commissioner for the City of Tamarack, and I've served as your Vice Mayor. So I'm so happy to be here for a conversation with BSO. This is the first in our series of podcasts and live uh, conversations on Facebook. And the gentleman that is sitting beside me, is six feet apart, I think, uh, is uh, Captain Jeff Sermoniello. And he is our captain here in the city of Tamarack for uh, Tamarack BSO. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Commissioner. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And of course, we have some of your lieutenants and deputies that are going to be calling in and answering some questions as well. Uh, But before we go into our conversation, uh, Captain Sermoniello, tell us about yourself. How did you get to Tamarack in this position? Well, um... I would been with BSO for about 24 years now, and Tamarack is a destination I always wanted to land at. As you know, and I've, I've told you the story several times, my grandparents lived right here in Westwood 24 on 100th Terrace. So living in New York, I'd visit them each summer, and I would see BSO traveling through this city, and it was just the greatest city. I, my grandparents knew all the neighbors. My grandfather was the chairman of the board of the Italian American Club, which was right here on University Drive. So they had over a thousand members. So each summer we'd come out and we'd see bands like the Platters that have big special events. Right. And they were really well versed with the city politics. You know, my grandparents would always come to the commission meetings and it was a big deal. They'd always send us pictures with the mayor. Mm-hmm. So growing up, Tamarack was a big deal. Fast forward, I um, moved down and I became a lighthouse point cop for a few years. But I always wanted to come back to the sheriff's office. So I had an opportunity in 1998. So I started my career in Dania Beach, and I was there f- for a long time, till about 2005. But uh, I served as a, de- a deputy a detective, and then I got promoted to sergeant, where I ran road patrol. And then uh, from that point, I moved to, to down the road in Parkland. And then I've had a couple of assignments. I was in special investigations downtown um, and did some undercover work for years in investigations, and then got promoted. And... Luckily enough, I got to become the lieutenant here, right here in Tamarack. So I ran road patrol operations here for several months, went to Pompano, and then I went to the public safety building, ran administration. And the sheriff, Sheriff Tony, had a conversation. He asked me if I'd like to come back to run a patrol district. And I really didn't want to leave my spot until I found out Tamarack was open. And I was jump, jumping at the opportunity. Um, besides coming back home for me, and dealing with some of the residents that I got to meet over the years, I also wanted to work for uh, our city manager, Mike Cernich, who's very well respected in, in our community. And we had a good conversation and we had uh, the same ideas of where you know law enforcement should be going with the community policing and outreach programs. So luckily enough, uh, I was selected to come here and I've been, I've been thrilled since. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's get right into uh, the meat of the matter. Uh, many of our residents are asking about drag racing in the city of Tamarack. It seems like it's becoming a problem. Uh, I know that residents have complained about uh, drag racing all the way from Prospect to the Sawgrass. So what is our plan for uh, drag racing in the city of Tamarack? 
Um, before we get into that, I, I want to thank you, Commissioner. We have been, during COVID, we haven't been able to get out to the community and speak to our residents. This has been a concern for months now. It's driving us just as crazy as the residents. So it is a real, real issue. What I wanted to do when this form that you provided for us was to be able to have some experts that deal with this in the field. And I'm telling you, we have a stacked deck in our district of, of experts. So I have Sergeant Mike Pianelli, who's going to phone in now, and he's going to address some of our traffic concerns because we have several that I guess we want, definitely want to hit. And I know you've been calling me left and right uh, addressing some of these issues, and I, and I thank you because we need to hear it. So Sergeant Mike Pianelli has been with the agency for about 24 years himself. He is one of our top trainers for the motor unit across the county. He hosts all our training right here in our district, and he is live. So Sergeant Pianelli, if you don't mind, can you um, – Explain what we're doing about drag racing and some of our speed issues in the city. What we've been doing is, uh, as of May, we just kicked off an aggressive driving ramp that will encompass not only uh, City of Tamarack resources with traffic, but also our regional traffic unit and motor units within the county enforcement specifically on Bailey Road to combat the aggressive driving that is going on out there. So um, I've also been in contact with Broward County uh, Traffic Engineering and the uh, FDOT to see if we can do something in reference to traffic calming on that roadway so that we can mitigate uh, some of the speed issues that we're encountering. Um, and as well, we've also purchased decibel meters so that we can get a good gauge on if there is a true problem with in respect to the, the noise that is reverberating uh, on Bailey Road, which seems to be affecting a lot of lakes of carriage hills. Sergeant Pinelli, can you also talk about the barrier wall that might be contributing to some of the sound? Yes. Um, I personally sat out there on numerous occasions. The barrier wall that was installed on the north side of the roadway on the North Lauderdale side, which that roadway encompasses the north side of the roadway is responsibility of North Lauderdale, the south side, uh, would be Tamarax. But the amount of vehicle traffic in 2010, the roadway was widened from two lanes to a four-lane roadway with a positive median barrier. So the amount of traffic that traverses from on Bailey Road from Rock Island to uh, State Road 7 has increased over the years. And just a few vehicles with uh, just the vehicle noise, the, the tire noise, the, the engine, what I've noticed is the sound reverberates off the wall. And because of the buildings in the Lakes of Carriage Hills, it carries through and it actually magnifies when it is hitting that wall and bouncing off. So the residents that are in Broadview actually are getting the benefit of that wall. And the noise is just being pushed to the south side of the road, to the Tamarack side. So it seems a lot louder because of the amount of vehicles that are traversing on that road now. We did start off in May the aggressive driving to combat some of the vehicles that uh, we, we know that there is an issue over there. But also a big help would be for the community to call into traffic and engineering or DOT and even let um, the city of Tamarack um, traffic section know for the city to see if we can institute some type of traffic calming devices, which could be um, a roundabout halfway down the roadway, uh, or they have the chicanes that are set up so that you have to slow down to uh, you know, a minimal speed 
to get around it. I think that would be uh, a big help. As for the amount of traffic that is on that roadway, I, like I said, I've worked in the city for 24 plus years, and I've seen the growth that has occurred with uh, the new residences and the traffic, not only in Tamarack has grown, uh, but all the surrounding cities, they're adding to the population. So there's a lot more vehicles that are on the roadway. But I would urge the um, residents to call in. Um, maybe we could see about uh, putting a wall on our side that could drown out some of that noise as well. But uh, the big thing is to try to get a hold of DOT to see if they can do something with the roadway. Okay, and and so people are, are ticketed when they are caught drag racing. Absolutely. Uh, drag racing in itself uh, is an arrestable offense. Uh, it could be considered reckless driving or drag race, racing on the highway, which are both uh, arrestable offenses. And if they do get uh, stopped for that, they will go to jail. They're, because of the complaints, uh, there will be no exceptions on that one. If they're caught drag racing, they will go to jail. Okay. And uh, is there any, uh, do you have any stats on uh, people who have been arrested for, for these types of crimes? Well, just just so we can, on uh, May, from May 1st, I'm sorry, March 1st to March 31st, we did an operational plan that was uh, done. We, we wrote uh, between North Lauderdale and Tamarack, we wrote just about 260 uh, tickets on that roadway. Uh, 104 of them were for unlawful speeding. And uh, there one, was one vehicle that was cited for doing 97 in a 35, which they were issued a mandatory court appearance, uh, which they have to go see a judge for that. Uh, the minimum speeds were, uh, the, I'm sorry, the average speeds clocked over there were in the mid-50s. Uh, the posted speed limit is 35. So the amount of citations that were written, about half of them that we wrote were for speeding just for that month. And then to follow that up back last year, from September through uh, November, we did another operational plan. And similarly, we wrote about uh, 1,000 tickets over there during that time frame, which would encompass both sides of Bailey Road on the east side of Bailey Road and on the west side, I'm sorry, east side of Rock Island and the west side of Rock Island. We split it up, but we wrote in total about a thousand tickets over there. Captain, um, anything to add to that? No, thank you, Commissioner. Yeah, the issue we're realizing is we don't have the ability to, to sit there all day long. So what we're looking to is get some benefit from DOT and some help we're making some improvements on the roadways. Some physical changes to the roadways might be able to slow things down all the day, all day long and all night long. So we're going to be looking for some support down the road and maybe make some of those improvements because I have to agree with the residents. It's, it's a real issue that we're, we're combating each day. A lot of uh, seniors still live in Tamarack. Tamarack is still a, a senior community. Lots of seniors call Tamarack home. How do we protect our seniors? We often hear about scams, people calling seniors, telling them they've won money or knocking on their door for some other reason. Tell us about this issue. Well, I'll, I'll speak for Sergeant Devin Williams. He's our criminal investigation supervisor that's here to speak about that. A matter of fact, a few months ago, he did some uh, podcasts for King's Point on this very topic of, of scams. 
and yeah, we're extremely protective of our seniors. Um, that's something that's near and dear to my heart, growing up here with all the seniors. All my friends were 80 and above when I moved here. So, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, love, we love going to these communities because they, they let us know what's on their mind. We need to inform them daily of what's going on. So what happens with these, these crimes when it comes to scams, they come in cycles. So a few years ago, we had lottery scams where they were encouraging seniors to send money so they could pay the taxes on their lottery, and these seniors were doing it. Then we had scams which come across a lot when um, someone would be posing as a city employee, that they have to trim certain trees in the backyard, and they'll bring the senior out to the backyard while the buddy goes through the front door and takes their jewelry. The only thing that we can do is an educational component and get out and get this information to seniors to know what's going on. I, every time I go to a homeowner's meeting, I encourage our seniors, please call us. Let us vet out these people that are coming to your door. If they are legitimate, if they are a city worker, especially in Tamarack, they have great identifications. It says who they are. Yeah. But if you still don't trust that, please call us. We have deputies in zones that are great proximity to your home each and every day. We take pride in that. We want to go to your house and vet that out. So if someone's knocking on your door or you're getting a phone call, let us know. Let us vet it out. Sergeant, Sergeant Williams does a, a tremendous job of helping our seniors, and we're going to continue to do that. Also, if you don't want to call, something just going on. We just opened up an email. So you don't have to remember how to spell my name for an email or anyone's email. It's bsotamarack at sheriff.org. This is not for emergencies. These are for questions or a response of some issues. But if you have questions, let us know. We're building a database right now to get email blasts out. Only when these cyclical times come, when we have a crime trend or we have a scam going on to our seniors, we want to push this out. So over the next couple of months, as things open up, we're going to be soliciting email addresses. We're not going to cover it with spam. It's going to be only when we verify that this is something that's important our seniors need to know. Mm-hmm. We have, I got to tell you, the city has a great Instagram, that great social media now. We're going to be using that also. We're going to try to get as much information on that. We're trying to get into the 21st century. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you're better at it than we are, so I'll tell you. But it's really important that we have that two-way communication. If you have an issue, that's what we're here for. So I, I please, I encourage you, let us know, let us protect you, and, and give us the ability, if you have an email, that we could push out some information to you. And also the Ring app, the Neighbors app, all these apps that are coming out. If you're not familiar with it and you're a senior and you want some help, call our office. We have some people that will help guide you through this. It's a really good information source. And there are people in our community that are very active. Good neighbors are are very important uh, in, in this as well. I had a conversation with somebody in the community and she saw somebody going on the property of her neighbor and didn't know who the person was, approached the person, why are you knocking on the door? Who who are you going to? What's the name of the resident? Does she know you? Is she expecting you? Our residents are very vigilant. I appreciate that about our residents. Yes, they are. And they are very good at calling BSO when when something happens. They are. Some Uh, of our communities are better than others. And and you're right. That helps us tremendously. We should always know what what car should be in your neighbor's driveway. And mm -hmm. if it's not Ask a question. Let us come and check it out. Right. Always be safe. Uh, that's, literally, that's why we're there. We're driving through. Give us a reason to go to your house. That, right. That's fine with me. Right. I don't know if the non-emergency number is still the same. I thought that was very unique. So it's 954-765-4321. 
used to be. It used to be. Yes. Why did you change it? I, I, I promise you, I did not. <laughs> because I, I thought it was just the most amazing number. You start from seven, seven all, yeah. all the way to one. And Let's not keep saying it because they can remember that. It's not valid anymore. <laughs> Where does it go now? It's seven six five help. Seven six four help. Seven six four help. Yes. So nine five four seven six four help. Help. That's not bad. No. That's and bad. we can call up to ten p.m. We staff our front desk. Nine five four seven two zero two 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 five seven two zero two 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 five. That is our office right here. We man until ten p.m. I've got, we do get a lot of phone calls on that, and we appreciate it. So if it's something that's past midnight or past 10 p.m., you can call that other non-emergency number. But usually after that time, it's an emergency. Right. I want you to call 911. That's great. Reducing car accidents. So especially in my district, there's a lot of complaints about car accidents. East of 441 on Commercial Boulevard or closer to 31st Avenue. And then west of 441, that would be Rock Island and Commercial Boulevard. Accidents all the time. People are speeding up and down the corridor, and it seems like it's just a highway to them. How can we solve this? What's our plan? Is it, is it police presence? What is your plan? How do we fix that? This is a frustrating issue for all of us. And Sergeant Pianelli, if you did a study on traffic crashes in this city because it is is an issue you know luckily our crime is low and things are going really fine with that but these issues of speeding and car accidents is a real issue and it's a nuisance because it's a danger for especially you know for our seniors too on these roads and in our everybody but we've realized that distraction these are distracted drivers and and i wish i had the exact numbers for you but distracted drivers are causing a lot of them are rear-ended rear uh, car accidents people are not paying attention there is, and you've seen it, I'm sure, Commissioner, all these people on their cell phones not paying attention. Yep. And you're going to see this. It's not just in Tamarack. This is all over. And mm -hmm. every time I'm driving, I, I see it myself. Luckily, the laws change, and we've been citing for texting and driving, but it's, it's a hard statute to see. You don't have to really see them texting and driving. But we need to maybe get some more information out on, on stop being a distracted driver, because that's... A lot of it is. It really is. Mm -hmm. We haven't had too many. We had some high-speed uh, accidents, but it's not as much as we thought. I thought it was going to be a lot higher. So we started looking at the numbers. But traffic calming devices will work. You know, having police, we'd have, to, uh, ha we'd have to increase our force, you know, tenfold to be effective in that. And it's just, you know, people don't want their taxes raised for more police. Right. So what can we do that doesn't cost the residents money and keeps us safe? And sometimes that's roadway improvement. So we have to kind of reimagine how we want our roadways to be safe. I know uh, Commissioner Gallen is working on a zero initiative, zero crash or zero death initiative, and uh, putting a think tank together to see how we can combat this issue. So we're mm -hmm. going to be following that and, and see what we can do to do our part in that. Recently, we did a study for traffic crashes. We found out that about 90% of the crashes that occur uh, in the city of Tamarack, and it almost it reflects for other, other major cities as well, uh, just Coral Springs to be uh, exact, but they're all about the same. Minor accidents uh, top the list, which most of the minor accidents in the city of Tamarack are in parking lots. Um, we had about, uh, from in 2020 calendar year, the sheriff's office responded to 4,920 traffic related calls. 
And the, the top calls that we went to were accidents. Uh, that also encompasses traffic stops, uh, traffic complaints, uh, accidents with injuries, and reckless. Okay. So, um, as you can see for the calendar year, 2020, 5,000 traffic related calls were called in to the sheriff's office, Justin Tamarack and topping, like I said, topping the list, it's driver inattentiveness is most of these crashes. Cause I personally review these reports every day. Uh, that the deputies and service aides write for accident reports. And these are very, uh, most of them are minor rear end crashes that are at intersections as people are coming up, either they're taking their foot off the brake, they're just not paying attention. Uh, they think the light's green when it's still red and they're causing some of these chain reaction crashes. And in total, uh, like I said, accidents with injuries, which injuries could encompass, uh, you know, just say, Hey, my neck hurts. We still have to write that down as an accident with injuries, even if they're just making a complaint or if they say that something hurts. So calendar year, we've had 440 accidents with injuries, but it doesn't mean that they were all major type of injuries either. So, uh, once again, the, the, get back on the uh, operational plans that we've done. Uh, Rock Island and commercial seems to be topping the list with crashes. And that is also one of our major focuses for our ag aggressive driving grant, which kicks off uh, for this May. And we're going to be out there uh, several times a month. Uh, you'll see several motorcycles, uh, motorcycle deputies out there enforcing some of the, the speeding, uh, some of the texting while driving. So hopefully we can kind of mitigate some of the crashes with our presence, but we'll also split that time with Bailey road, which was also an issue. I know that, uh, that came up before. I don't know if you were able to hear me earlier when we were talking about that, but that I was able to incorporate into the aggressive driving, uh, operational plans that we're going to be doing. And that's going to encompass not only the city of Tamarack deputies, but also regional traffic deputies and other deputies that will be working from throughout the county. So you'll see different faces here from all over uh, the sheriff's office that are going to be helping us with our traffic problem in the city. For, for those areas, we will, um, you know, we have sign boards and message boards that we can deploy and, you know, hopefully tell people put down the phone uh, put it down. It, it, it really is a major distraction when we're driving. And like the captain was saying, it's not just the city of Tamarack. When I'm driving in my own neighborhood, uh, it, it seems to be the number one thing is people have to constantly be on that phone. And it is a, a citable offense if you're texting and driving. So, um, but hopefully the, the residents will see us out there a little more often in the next couple of months, this aggressive driving grant is going to carry on, uh, I believe through the end of the year for about six months. So at least I'll have some satisfaction knowing that, uh, several times a month we'll be working these major corridors, uh, and citing people out there. And a lot of it, there are no warnings. These are going to be citations. So if, uh, they're going to run the risk, 
And, um, you know, they don't know if we're going to be around the corner with a, either a, a radar gun or a laser and clocking their speed, or if we see them texting and driving, um, they're going to be sighted and there's going to be no warnings. You know, yeah, we get a lot of calls on this too. And I hear a lot from homeowners association presidents, um, the past couple of weeks have heard from Kevin Borwick, uh, Ben, um, and Ron Wasserman today. And Ron was talking a lot about Southgate, another issue. Mm-hmm. So, um, we have to divide where we're, we're focusing and we right now out east is where the majority of the speeding is and, and it's the areas that i know you call me all the time about yeah you do <laughs> and, and but we need to hear it and and because we're not able to go to a lot of these homeowners we need this information i we i need to know where to deploy the resources so when you talk about immediate relief yeah we're going to do the best we can but we have to triage it we have to prioritize where we're going and i got to tell you uh sergeant pianelli is one of the best in the business he he gets us a lot of resources from downtown. So when we're having these issues, he solicits grants, which doesn't cost the city any money, so we can get extra resources in here to, to combat the aggressive driving. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to be vigilant in finding these grants. I know Sheriff Tony is always giving us these resources to find to give our, our residents the best shot at having a safe community. So we're going to continue that. That's awesome. Captain, I have a pet peeve. <laughs> uh, is it a crime littering in our community? So... It's a nuisance, and, and okay. you can't fix poor home training, okay. you know, and we can't fix it. Right. But we appreciate people like you. That is not a crime unless it's 15 pounds or more. So, so it is a, a citation. <laughs> I can give you a citation for it, okay. but I have to view it. A law enforcement officer has to view you do it, and, okay. and then you can get a citation unless it's 15 pounds or more, and then it's, it's uh, arrestable, actually. But here's the thing. The bigger issue is the broken windows theory. Uh-huh. We can't let our communities get like this because once we starting throwing refuse on the ground and it stays there, it gets worse because then no one else cares behind it. And yeah. that's how communities start going down. Mm-hmm. So it is a big deal. And you say, you know, people say, oh, littering, what's the big deal? No, it, it actually is a big deal. And, and, you know, shopping centers that don't look good and are not maintained and shopping carts all over and trash, well, it creates a habit. And we don't want that habit starting here because you'll see that and you'll start seeing crime start to grow. And you'll start people, you know, congregating these areas that we don't want. We're going to take pride in this city. If our deputies see that, they're going to deal with it, uh, deal with it appropriately. But it's also a code issue. And I'll tell you, we've had some conversations recently, uh, as you brought up in these, some of our commission meetings, about litter and the looks of the city. So uh, Deputy Marion is getting with the city code, and they're, listen, they're very receptive to ideas. So we're going to figure out a plan of how we can reduce some of this, maybe through fines. Maybe we, we hold some people accountable, maybe the shopping center owners, but ways. Um, and that was good that that was brought up in these commission meetings because we need to take action on that. Right. That's something we can get on right away and start making an impact. Right. Is this 15 pound rule, is it state statute or is it just that? Yeah, it's a statute book. Yes. Is it, uh, so if I go down the street and just take a, a, a bag of, full of plastic bags. McDonald's? It's <laughs> just like... <laughs> Throw it across, throw it all over. You can't do anything about that. For the purpose of this, that. I'd like to say it's arrestable. So we can, right. uh, yeah, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, yeah. Come on, just tell me yeah, it's arrestable. Yeah. <laughs> all right, it's arrestable. <laughs> uh, we can't do it, but uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, this is... But uh, I got to tell you, um, 
we're not going to create that habit in the city. Mm -hmm. And if we let that go, other things will go. And, you know, we're looking at law enforcement and communities in a holistic view these days. And right. it has a lot to do with, it's not just crime, it's building communication and expectations of our residents. Of course. The one thing about this city is it, it has a lot of representation and a lot of communication and they care about each other. So like you said earlier, and, and you hear all the times, I know you're constantly with the, your constituents, we all talk to each other and we got to continue these conversations and that pleasant all the time. Yeah. But we need to know where to deploy our resources. We need to set expectations, of what we expect from our residents and what they should expect from us um, as, as their officials. Sure. So it's a two way road. We'll keep opening lines of communications, but we're going to raise the bar. We really want to raise the bar in Tamarack to keep it a great place that it is. That is something that we're going to have to lobby for. Because this 15-pound rule bothers me. I'm still on it. 15 pounds. I mean, it's it's like you, you see trash everywhere, and no wonder people just throw out their their litter. So so when you say citations, somebody throws out a bottle, you can cite them, but you Sorry, can't arrest them. It's like them. a traffic ticket. Correct. Okay, so you can. Correct. How much is the fine? I have no idea. It's changed over the years, and okay. I, you don't want to know the last time I, I wrote a littering ticket, but right. um, I, I have no idea. But it's it's not a big amount, and it's one of those things that it's going to be part of our discussions with code. Right. So it's the bigger issue, and maybe we just hold other people's expectations up a little bit higher. It's right. funny. People tend to litter in places that already have litter. Yeah. So when you go to pristine bathrooms you go to pristine places you tend to hold yourself uh, to a higher level and, and maybe we'll start with that right right a resident called in i don't think we can play the call but she asked about the littering in canals and i think this would fall under the same thing if a neighbor throws a mattress or a bed <laughs> right bedding into the canals because this does happen oh yeah when i just got elected i heard all the horror stories saw pictures of things that we find in our stormwater drains and that sort of stuff and so people throw the craziest things in canals so if it's over 15 pounds it's arrestable i believe the florida state statute is 403 that addresses littering so um, under 403, I believe it's 4.413, the Florida littering law is uh, where we would take our enforcement from that. So any person who dumps litter in an amount exceeding 15 pounds, but not exceeding 500 pounds, it's a misdemeanor of the first degree. But that's something that we would uh, actually have to you know, witness and I know that it, it's become an issue with just dumping things on the side of the roadway, which people don't realize that affects their, their, their pocket as residents, because if they're dumping trash in their own community, that someone's got to clean that up. And usually it's the city workers that have to come and clean some of this stuff up. And, you know, I've personally been out in some of the areas where um, we've actually had code enforcement accompany us and actually cite some of the businesses to make sure they clean up the trash around their businesses. And as the captain was speaking about the, uh, you know, it, it, we have to take pride in our community. Even though I don't live in the city, I've been working here 24 years and this is my second home. So I, I take a lot of pride with, uh, you know, the city looking the way it does and we need to keep it 
uh, you know, a nicer community for everybody. Is it the same law for private communities? Let's say I live in an HOA and my intention was to put out bulk trash on the wrong day and I leave it there for a couple of days, weeks. This happens. Does that now become arrestable? Is that an offense where somebody can be cited and ticketed? Uh, I'll answer that for you. That's, that's, you know, you have to look for intent, you know, and and that's not the the deal. That's more of a code issue. That's something that we want to deal with the city. Um, That's not someone that we would ever arrest on on something Mm. like that. Okay. We'll work with code and we'll we'll do things in another manner. Car break-ins. What can residents do? So thank you for bringing that up. Because that is, is always our number one felony crime. So our overall crime is, is thefts, you know, store thefts, little thefts. But burglary, we call it burglary conveyance, vehicles, a car. The reason why we're so successful is I have probably the best criminal investigation supervisor in, in, in Broward, is Devin Williams. He looks at these crimes. We have a whole staff that we analyze. We talk on Tuesday mornings. We look over every crime. And you look for trends, just like we do with some of these scams with our seniors. We look for trends. He found these trends, and we deployed our resources. Uh, Manor Park, great residents in there. They were giving us a lot of information. They were sharing ring video. But uh, I would like Sergeant Williams to speak just a little bit about now what we're doing to combat it because we have dramatic decreases. Matter of fact, our, our overall crime is down 34% after a 23% decrease in crime last year. So it's just following up and, and using resources. I believe uh, you hit on, on it earlier. One of the biggest things is, is communication with the community, catching these trends and getting it out there through various uh, forms, social media, HOA meetings, etc. But if we're talking about burglaries in particular cars, uh, the number one thing is locking those doors. Uh, one of the trends... Uh, is what we call car hopping, where people are coming. Keep in mind that that particular area that the commissioner is referring to is a very transient area um, with new housing. So there's a lot of people passing through. And one of the trends is called uh, car hopping, where you have people coming from different areas. They descend on certain neighborhoods, and they're just pulling on car doors to see if they're open. So the number one thing is locking those car doors. Number two, removing those valuables so they're not readily seen. Uh, the other thing that we're, that other trends that we're seeing that we believe are preventable, leaving those extra key fobs in the cars. Um, you know, these are crimes of opportunity. They might be coming to break into your car, but if they find a key fob, an extra key fob for the spouse's car, they, they're going to take that car. We've had those as well. So you're not only preventing yourself uh, from getting burglarized and, and different thefts from within your car, but you're actually preventing cars from being taken. The other thing, the, the other big thing that we've seen people leaving guns in their cars as well. So that's, that's a big issue. Um, we know the dangers in that. Uh, prevention one of the things that I would say is put yourself on a timer every night around 9 p.m. Just sound that alarm. Make sure that your doors are locked. Uh, we have a lot of residents now. The rings are popular. Perhaps set your ring uh, to alarm 3 in the morning when a lot of these crimes go off. So if you hear it go off, 
if you hear it go off, then you know there's movement around your house. And give us a call. Uh, also, good lighting. Good lighting, it might seem simple, but, you know, like they said, sunlight is, is one of the best disinfectants. So it's good lighting. So those are some of the things that uh, that I can I can add. But it really starts with just locking those doors, removing those values. Thank you, Sergeant. And we've noticed, especially in that Manor Park area, a lot of these locations that are close to the Turnpike or major thoroughfares, some of these organized groups will go right off the highway knowing that they can get back on the highway and get out of town quickly. Mm -hmm. So what we had to do on the last time is we had to deploy license plate readers. We had to start documenting the vehicles that were going to these neighborhoods that should only be occupied by residents. So right. with that information uh, provided a lot of good intel for us to realize where our, our people were coming from, our suspects were coming from in that community. Then Sergeant Williams and his staff were able to identify these burglars, put them in jail, and it was part of two separate rings. So mm -hmm. we arrested one group. The next night they were out in another group and they wound up arresting the other group. Um, and they're stealing the key fobs and stealing the cars. As a matter of fact, we made an arrest last night at 5600 block of Knob Hill. They stole the car, stole the pot, and when we, we arrested the guy, he had, I can't remember how much drugs he was in the car. He had drugs and he had a magazine, a, a loaded weapon with an extended magazine in it. These are dangerous guys that are out there. Wow. We'll keep an eye out. And when he said the prevention, I got to tell you, my habit, before I go to bed each night, I check my doors again, make sure my outdoor patio lights are on, and I listen for my key. Yeah. My, my car beep twice. I hit it twice. I annoy my neighbors every night at 10 o'clock. Uh -huh. But I hit it twice because I'm paranoid about breaking in my car because I won't be able to explain that in the morning. <laughs> I have to keep my cars locked. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's a lot of it's unlocked cars. So, wow. As a matter of fact, in that neighborhood also, we had kids. They knew they were breaking into Melrose Park and some of these other uh, um, places. They knew they had valuables in the car. One kid took a cab to that neighborhood to get out, to break into cars, and took a cab back home. And he took a cab instead of an Uber, an Uber or, or Lyft. Do you know why? <laughs> wow. Because Uber and Lyft used credit cards, and they would be able to track him back. So he paid cash for, for, a, for a cab. They are smart. They, uh, they are. We're dealing with a, a, a smart group of criminals sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to be on our toes. Yeah. They're crafty. And we learned that through good investigative techniques. You know, our detectives started talking about, how, why, how do you land here? Why do you keep coming to these neighborhoods? We're really trying right. to protect it. And, you know, we have some really nice-looking neighborhoods, and they, mm -hmm. they assume that's going to have valuables. And some of our neighbors just need to be reminded, you can't keep nice bags and purses and things in, in the cars. Right. Do we have any stats? Maybe one of the sergeants can tell us stats on where the, the criminals are coming from what cities, what areas do we collect that kind of information? We do collect the data. I, I'm sure he doesn't have that now, but I remember during um, the uh, last rash of burglaries, we had a lot of them. And Sergeant Williams, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I heard several kids were from North Lauderdale, and, and they're mostly juveniles. I'll be honest with you. Mo uh, almost the majority were juveniles. We had some from uh, Lauderdale Lakes, and I think one's from uh, Lauder Hill. Sergeant Williams, do you have any more? Do you remember any of the stats on on when we looked at some of the arrestees where they were from? It's uh, Captain. It's a um, amalgamation of different areas that they're coming from. Uh, one good case we had, they came all the way from Boynton Beach. Uh, they stole a car. They were committing burglaries. Stole, stole a car. Ended up in plantation. Stole a cop's gun and used it in a drive-by. Uh, long story short, we were able to track them, arrest them. Another preventable thing, too, on that case, what broke that case open, 
The victim left her wallet inside the car. She had a tracker called a tile, and we were able to track the criminals uh, from each place that they went, committing different crimes, including the shootings. But they, they were from Palm Beach. They come from everywhere. We've had them as far uh, as Pompano. We've had them from Dade County. Uh, but the captain is right. A lot of them, they're coming from North Lauderdale from the from the North, and they're coming up from Lauderdale from the South as well. Uh, others are coming right up the sawgrass, coming off, and uh, committing the crimes. Uh, one, one more trend that we've been seeing as well, Hondas, Honda, Honda Accord, CRV, uh, tires, rims being taken, and airbags. That's a big trend. Uh, recently, we were working with our uh, burglary apprehension team or a bat team. We were able to broke, break open a, uh, a ring, and we're in the process of uh, making further arrests on those. Thank you, Sarge. One of the um, things that we we did, we had to change our mind on how we're looking at crimes. Because if you just take, just say this was Tamarack Police Department, not the Sheriff's Office, you kind of look at just Tamarack only. And that that view is very narrow, and you don't get as good as intel. So Sheriff Tony's burglary apprehension team is a countywide unit that deals with both counties, Miami and Palm Beach County. They combine resources because these groups are going around, so it doesn't matter where you live. Mm-hmm. We want data from all over the county, and they're able to track how these groups go and where the crimes go, and they've been right. so successful on eliminating these groups. Uh, the past week, they were in our little um, blurbs for numerous arrests that they've been dealing with. So these organized groups, to me, and I, I think that's why all the numbers are dropping countywide, is they're changing the way they're looking at these crimes. And you, you can't do it local. It has to be kind of a holistic view of an area and looking at these groups. So we've been, as an agency, extremely successful in identifying these guys. But it's going to continue to happen if we don't protect ourselves. Right. So the educational component, like you bring mm-hmm. up, is really important. So in other words, you're saying keep keep BSO because it has more benefits than a, a local police department. <laughs> it's, it's a no-brainer to me. <laughs> I just had to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Commissioner Gelling is listening. Yeah, I'm sure he is too. <laughs> Turning but, right in the face. But we do. We work with the local. We all work with the local police departments too. They're right. part of this conglomerate that we put together because we need information. Like like the Sergeant was saying, we work with Boynton Beach Police Department. So right. you know, I'm I'm definitely biased to the green, but uh, <laughs> but we have some real good professional agencies in this whole South Florida area that we right. deal with on a daily basis. Right. Homelessness and panhandling has become an issue in Tamarack. And some may say it's not a big issue, but I believe it's a huge issue. Um, some residents are calling on BSO to be tough on individuals who panhandle, and some are calling for compassion. But as the situation grows worse, what is your plan? How do you plan to tackle this? This is an issue that we deal with, not as much as the traffic issues, but it's an issue we deal with and we wrestle with because we, we look at this as a hu- from the human, humanistic point of view. We have 13 documented homeless. And I'm going to let Jen Marion speak on this because she's really an expert in this field. But we have 13 documented people that we go out with. It's the same people over and over again. And we have to navigate state statute. We have to navigate what that human being needs and resources. We have to navigate the, the fact that they're not all uh, mentally capable of making proper decisions in our opinions, but we're not therapists. So Mm -hmm. we're we're doing the best we can. 
So uh, our agency has given, I think, every deputy now training in this specific area, which is right. really important to understand um, what some of these people are going through. We have a homeless outreach team, which does a, a phenomenal job. But the frustrating part is there's no easy answer. I can't tell you, Commissioner, that tomorrow we can wipe this out because it's a very convoluted and complex issue that we have to navigate each day. And like you, I understand that human side. So, yes, am I annoyed when I go to Pine Island and, and commercial and or university and commercial, which is even worse, and have to deal with that? Yeah, it, it is a bit of a nuisance. And I struggle with do I give the person a dollar or not? And I, and I don't. I don't now, and I feel bad each time. <laughs> but there's reasons for it, and we have to delegate resources to them that are going to give them long-term success. So I'll get off my soapbox with that, and I'll let um, – Deputy Jen Marion, who works with, with these folks every day, um, give her perspective and where we're going, what we're trying to do with the city to combat it. Okay, so we, right now we face a big challenge with the state statute that I was able to utilize in order to enforce a panhandling in a roadway, which would be obstruction of the public streets, highways, and roads. But as of now, we are no longer able to use it. Um, so now I'm trying to work with the city attorney and developing a city ordinance to enforce the panhandling, which will be arrestable so that you will not see the individuals out in the middle of the street causing a traffic delay. But not only it's a safety issue for the motorists, but it's also a safety issue for them too. Because right now we had about maybe two individuals that passed away by getting hit by a car from being out in the street begging for money. That were nor they were known on our side of Commercial University, but the accident occurred on Lauder Hill side of Commercial University. These were conversations that I would have them on a day to day basis, stating the reasons why we don't want to go into the roadway. When I realized the state statute that we couldn't use anymore, so I was trying to educate them on their safety and also the safety of the motorists are driving through our city. If they have to stop shortly because someone's there giving them a dollar during a green light because an issue um, for safety on all ends. So what I tell residents, instead of stopping and giving them a dollar or pulling over or feeding them, go down to our local shelters that assist our individuals that experience homelessness. Donate money to the shelters. Donate volunteer time to feeding. I'm out there almost every single day along with the deputies in our city to see if the individuals that are out there panhandling want assistance, want to get off the road instead of being out in the middle of the street because it is a safety issue. And you'll see, Commissioner Bolton, in your district, more transient homeless coming through off the 441 commercial area because of the bus routes. They're easily, they, right now, they can hop on a bus free of charge and they can go out throughout the city and they're going to know, they're going to go to known high traffic areas where motorists are mostly at. And you'll see a lot at Commercial University because of all the vehicle traffic. So I am in the works of trying to work with the city attorney. I am trying to create that ordinance because it becomes you know, an issue, a quality of life issue, not only for our residents, but also for the individuals that experience homelessness. So anyone listening, we we identified the state statute. It, it was deemed to be unconstitutional at certain points. Okay. So we had to step back and go, okay, how do we do this legally and effectively? It gave us plenty of time to ensure that each person, the 13 that I'm speaking of, we're given and offered resources throughout, and there's plenty of resources that we have. And our downtown unit has been here numerous times. They're here almost weekly. I can tell you firmly, they've all been offered it. They all have not accepted any of it. They don't want it. And sometimes you can't force people to take services, which is fine. 
but we also can't have the safety aspect. And it's scary for some people. I've, I've seen them knocking on people's windows and getting aggressive. Some of these men and women are, are, are big and strong and we have some, yeah, yeah and it's not fair to the, the motorists. So it is, it, we have to strike a balance. Um, Deputy Mary did a great job in researching all the ordinances that would be able to help Tamarac. Mm -hmm. And she found one in the city of Oakland Park that was the, the most effective. So our, our city attorney is now reviewing that and hopefully we can get that adopted very soon. And then we can enforce it with a clear conscience that we've offered everything we could to remedy this issue for the residents. We've also worked with Broward Outreach Center. They're in Hollywood. They have an amazing facility and they do have people who were homeless now working there who are actually admitted into the program, got themselves together, found a job. Now they're working to help other people in the community. And so sometimes the people who are homeless do not accept the help, but we have to keep trying because at one point, some point, they, they could uh, accept that help. And I know that Broward Outreach Center is ready and available to assist them. Anybody that is listening, maybe you are a resident and you see somebody that is homeless, don't be like the captain. Give them a helping hand <laughs> <laughs> and offer them help. A resident called me the other day. He asked me, how can I help these people? I mean, I see people all the time, you know, panhandling, how can I help? And you know, we've given them the information to Broward Outreach Center, and that's all we can do we, And we do that. And yeah. for me not giving a dollar, we give plenty, and we don't gain a lot of, of time to these uh, yeah, I know. proper entities right. because we, it, really, it's a catch-22. Yeah. So I know who I'm dealing with at this point, and I know mm -hmm. they don't want these resources. So it's almost fueling that uh, a certain habit in, in a certain way. Right. So trust me when I tell you we've offered them people that want to give them jobs, food shelters they've have it all um yeah. but that's their right that's their choice yeah and those who are listening please tell uh our city commission to make sure that we pass the homelessness task force because this is not just a district one issue yes. i know that the uh, there are homeless, a lot of homeless people along um, 441 and commercial in my district, uh, along Prospect Road, and but there are other people along University and commercial, Pine Island, all over the city of Tamarack, and at least one of our commissioners think that the homelessness issue is not a big issue. Only one at this point. So make sure that our commissioners know that you are also passionate about homelessness in our community. One of our residents did call in and asked, how can we positively influence how the community views the police? Lots of breakdown in how people view police these days. Some people view police in a bad way. Some people view police in a, in a positive way. How, how do you fix, fix well, that? You don't fix. You, you lead by example. Okay. And we do that every day. I got to be honest with you. I don't see an issue in the city. I just don't. Right. We have so much support in this city. So, you know, it's funny. You, you, you watch the news and you would think that it's us versus them. That yeah. is not even close to reality. I stopped watching the news. I don't. I'm much happier. Um, what do you watch, Fox or CNN? I don't watch anything. <laughs> I don't watch. I watch the Smurfs. <laughs> okay. I, um, I stopped because I, I know how to get real information and... I know that our residents 
are fantastic here. And I can only illustrate that by if you look in our building, right? with this lady named Rose who brings us cakes and pastries twice a week, each and every week. We wow. have a room full of thank you cards and gratitude cards. We have people stopping by left and right, cards, uh, kids writing uh, beautiful things on our walls. I've been here since the previous November. I've gotten two complaints from residents, two. One of them um, was unfounded. It was just wasn't our deputy. And the other one, I, I think my deputy could have done something a little bit better and we addressed the issue immediately. I can't tell you, I'd be wrong if I said 100, but it's well over 100 compliments. And people yeah. don't normally compliment. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. Our motto is we service our community with professionalism and compassion. You know, this past year, you know, Sheriff Tony's made a lot of changes with the sheriff's office and how we view policing. And we changed our motto here. We're professional and compassionate. That is how we're going to handle people, and that's what we've done. And we can't make you like us. We don't need to. We just have to remain professional, and it will happen organically. And that's what we're going to do. If we mess up, I'm going to be the first one to be transparent and say this is what we did and how we're going to fix it. If we did something you just didn't understand, we're going to explain that too. We have the time to explain things. And I mm -hmm. think through just explanation of what we really do in law enforcement, just that explanation that taking that couple of minutes out means the world to a lot of people because it takes a long time to learn this business. Right. It's more complex than anything else. We've talked yeah. from homeless to burglaries to drugs, a whole myriad of issues that we deal with daily, including mental illness and stuff like that. And these, I gotta tell you, Commissioner, if you got to meet the men and women that work in that building, you'd be thrilled. Yeah. You, you go into these roll calls and no matter what's on the news, they go out there with pride to service this community. Mm -hmm. You know that we don't have anybody that wants to leave our district. There are people wanting to come to the city of Tamarack. So yeah, can we in law enforcement in general do a better job? Oh, always, that will never change. And I'm sure a plumber can do a better job at his job every day. We all need to look introspectively to see how we change. So my, my, that was my long answer. My short answer is, <laughs> <laughs> my short answer is, we are your police service. If something you think we could do better, let us know. Right. And I'm sure you'll, you'll understand and maybe appreciate a little bit more what we do. And if you don't, we're still going to protect you. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, we have asked all of the tough questions and most of the easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Sermoniello, you are a breath of fresh air. I can tell you that. I really, really, really appreciate your leadership. The moment you walked through those doors and you introduced yourself on the very first day, we could tell that there was going to be another Hmm, a changing of the guard, so to speak, but in a good way, right? You are just a consummate professional. You're personable. The community loves you. You know your stuff. Uh, you see, if you if you had a good smile, but then you're not intelligent. <laughs> it's like, you know, but you... You have a great smile, you're personable, and you know your stuff, and your deputies and the sergeants, they love you. And I can see how the attitude flows from the top. And I really appreciate your support system, not just for my district, but for all the other districts. I still believe that District 1 is the best district <laughs> there is, but they are thrilled to have you. And every time they call you, not just Ron Wasserman, <laughs> but several other 
uh, residents call you and they are just thrilled with your with your uh, your leadership and it shows that RBSO officers are doing a very good job. So thank you so very much for your leadership. Thank you and thank you for the compliments. And I got to tell you, um, and I appreciate the kind words. I really have a, a great staff, so it was not a, a difficult transition here. And not only do I have it. Uh, we we stole the best ones, I think. Yeah, we built a we built a great <laughs> team, so it, it makes it good. But you know, Sheriff Tony and the staff above me, they really love the city. They've supported every one of our initiatives that we try to do. They let us go in different directions because each city is unique. Right. And to be able to have that latitude to bring in some of these systems, that I think this community needs. Um, and having that support all up to the sheriff really makes it effective. So it really, it, it makes my job very easy, but I, I really, truly thank you for your kind words. Of course, of course. And to all of the deputies that called in and they're answering questions, thank you so much for your time. Uh, can we hear them again? Just thank you so much for your time, guys. We really appreciate you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so, Thank you so very much. My name is Marlon Bolton. This is the first in our series of conversations, and we are so grateful that we had a conversation first with uh, Captain Sermoniello. You are in now in our history books as the first in the I'll conversation. Take it. I won't be the tallest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. See Thank you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Conversations with Marlon Bolton, brought to you by the City of Tamrak, Office of Commissioner Marlon Bolton.